0: Hello and welcome to Silent Noise. I'm Manira. and I'm Gabe and we're the only podcast you need to listen to to hear about the people who don't get heard.
1: We listen to the experiences of independent artists and talk about the life like censorship in the music industry. So in today's episode, we're basically gonna be looking at the effects of COVID on the music industry, how it affected musicians in and out and up, up and coming. Now, I don't think COVID would have affected larger musicians who were able to uh, make a social bubble with mm. their recording people or yeah. whether their promoters, because a lot of them did do that and were able to bring out very successful albums yes. through the lockdown, however, for struggling musicians or of musicians, mm-hmm it would have really become quite a challenge.
0: Yeah, obviously during the pandemic, we saw like mass restrictions on mass gatherings and rules and social distancing. And the live sector has massively been impacted because of that.
1: I remember when the first festivals started opening up after lockdown mm. and they'd sell out in seconds and people couldn't care what the lineup was or anything like that. They just wanted to be in a big crowd, mm. enjoying something together. And if you think about that on a much smaller scale, that is exactly what this whole thing we're about.
0: Yeah. And obviously we want to talk a little bit about like independent artists centering their experiences. A lot of these independent artists rely on music venues to sort of set them up and just like, give them uh, give them a space to share their music Mm. and obviously when it's the venues themselves being shut down and not and those gatherings not like legally not being allowed um, independent artists had struggled a lot during the pandemic and even after the pandemic for a good while
1: so not only was it a matter of actually getting the music out there it was getting the apps and all the the man if you will To push it to an extent because when you don't have those live shows or the outreach that larger groups do have, over Covid you had effectively no other way of getting it out there, especially if you wanted to comply, like Mm -hmm. like stay inside and all that sort of stuff. You won't go into gatherings or doing your illegal meetings like the (coughs) government.
0: (coughs) (laughs) The impact of Covid highlights the catastrophic impact that it had on the live music sector which actually generated one point one billion pounds a year for the UK economy. That's quite a lot of money. Arms. Yeah, that is quite a lot of money, isn't it? But it went downhill after that, after uh, COVID. Really? Yeah, it did.
1: I think I could I think I could probably buy like if if you think you could get like three quid out of the bottom of a sofa, how many sofas would you need to reach down the back of to generate one point one billion
0: pounds? At least four. You know it had a big impact on the revenue yeah. for venues for multiple I mean when you venues. have no
1: one in your venue it's hard to turn over profit yeah. and I suppose the d- government did help them in regards with some sort of like package to help towards businesses however that wasn't until really late on during the pandemic that mm-hmm. they actually yeah. got around to that and even then it was a pitiful amount like it was actually like nothing I think it was only like 500 mil or something like that to a biz to a to like a uh thing that ranges between a billion to only mm. get half of your revenue yeah when you i'm suppose you're not spending money on alcohol mm-hmm. to sell people exactly. or, or rigs or yeah. people's we well, still have to pay people's wages because they've all got furloughed didn't they yeah but you're still like it's really really messed with the whole system
0: it really did and it affected a massive range of People obviously not just the venues but also just artists who are just looking to find a find a place to share their music and just to just to connect with their audience i feel like it had a massive impact on on, um okay if you think about it what is a musician without their listeners what is a musician without their audience they want to connect they want to unify they want that community so obviously getting rid of that entire live music factor was getting rid of that connection Exactly. And that's very sad.
1: It's very needed as well for a musician to be able to... To grow. To grow, Mm -hmm. like... Don't get me wrong, fame to a lot of people isn't everything. Yeah. However, to the musicians that we're talking about specifically, it's not about the fame aspect. It's about getting your opinion voiced mm-hmm. and getting it to people who you want to not influence, but you want to get a collective of people who share similar ideas and opinions and yeah. stuff like that. And to not have the ability to do that, you're dramatically almost crushing the ability to produce these fans, or the people that will show up to these demonstrations, or show Mm -hmm. up to the protests, or even like just show up to a little 50-person gig.
0: Yeah. How do you feel like people can sort of get back from that? Uh,
1: it's, It's really strange, because... Obviously, hindsight's a wonderful thing, Mm -hmm. isn't it? Like, it's all well and good saying, well, we knew that in two years from now, shit will still be fucked. And like, it won't be, it'll be a bit better, but it won't necessarily be what it was before. Mm -hmm. You could never have foreseen it, could you? Yeah. And I guess for these artists, it's, only just time will tell. You can only do what you can do currently. Yeah. Like People will still be taking time off or cancelling shows or rearranging gigs because one of the crew members has got COVID yeah. and they can't afford to give it to someone else and get them really ill. Stuff like that.
0: It's actually mad how like COVID is still having an impact to this day.
1: I don't think it ever won't have an yeah. impact. If yeah. you think you lot people inside for three, three years? 20, no, 2019 to, twenty, twenty nineteen. To, I say twenty. I said twenty twenty two was probably like when it fully got lifted.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. So around
1: three years.
0: Jeez, something to consider in 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 terms of like how it is still to this day affecting, um, affecting music venues, affecting musicians, affecting everything, every single sector, every single business sector. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, independent businesses. Mm basically how how I sort of see it is you have these musicians that are like the Sainsbury's, the Tesco's, the Aldi's of musicians. I imagine like Ed Sheeran or Coldplay and stuff like that, they're they're still going to be used because they're like fucking massive. You you can't like realistically, as much as we want to fathom a world without Chris Martin from Coldplay, (laughs) he's still going to be there. Yeah. It's like you exactly. can boycott Waitrose all you want, but mm. people are still, still going to shop gonna there. Gonna. However, if you have like an independent sewing shop mm-hmm. or an artisanal bakery on your street, if they might not survive COVID, but imagine that as a musician who yeah. didn't really get many people in beforehand, yeah. they're going to close down shop too. <laughs>
0: it slowed down, it significantly slowed down the timeframe of how long it can take for for a, 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 an artist just starting their musical journey to then gaining some sort of audience and gaining some sort of success, it's massively slowed that down. And I feel like the people who've just started, like, just realised their musical ability in as soon as COVID started, mm. have just been, like... have had a harder time getting to where they want to be.
1: In regards to the censorship aspect of it, though, yeah, COVID's given up people a lot more to think about. Yeah. And it's now not only like right, wrong, you've got, everyone else has got a different opinion on how COVID should have been managed, what they would have done, how it would have all been all right if they mm. got it sorted. And I think that before then that wasn't even debate. Like how would you be been like, yeah, I'm going to sing about this global pandemic. That's not happened. Mm. You've got all these people that suddenly censorship isn't just about race or sexuality mm. or, uh, like what political side do you lean mm-hmm. on? You've got the literally just mundane tasks about how you would have people like been locked inside and how their mental health suffered yeah, and stuff yeah. like that and that sort of thing. You wouldn't really have had before, but it's a sh- it's a shared like yeah thing that hasn't really it's ever all been
0: interconnected. Everything's all exactly. interconnected. Like COVID has affected censorship. Censorship. I'd, I'd say
1: I'd say censorship. COVID.
0: Censorship, globalized. yeah.
1: Censorship was very much affected by COVID because it couldn't yeah, go out.
0: Definitely, yeah. And yeah. then
1: COVID has affected censorship because it brings it brings a new way to narrow down an audience. Because yeah. what what censorship is doing effectively is narrowing down an audience to your belief.
0: Yeah.
1: So we're now going to speak to Philip Inman who is the head editor for The Guardian regarding the financial aspect. And he will hopefully enlighten us a bit more on uh, the music industry post COVID, during COVID, and also what it might be like going forward. Awesome. Uh, So thank you very much for coming on and welcome to the podcast i guess
2: <laughs> yeah Hi. Right. Uh,
1: so just a quick icebreaker uh, do you have any favorite musicians or anything
2: like that i mean things that i've listened to lately are things like c duncan um mm. and uh if you go back it's more bands like radiohead and um, things like that but also um go and see gigs reggae gigs and um uh, Scar, you know, went to see some of these bands that have been around for years like The Specials um, You've uh, seen The Specials? Yeah
1: How uh, far? Uh,
2: Well that was fantastic I mean it's an amazing audience because it is <laughs> um, <laughs> there was uh, everyone had a shaven head you know in the audience, <laughs> apart from me and my wife so yeah. uh, I can imagine there
1: was a lot of Doc Martens there
2: <laughs> yeah. It was, yeah. And then we've had gigs in the park, so um, we have bands like from my era, like um uh, Madness and Squeeze, and uh, bands like that, which we go to see. Oh,
1: sounds brilliant! So to move into the more uh, the business uh, side
2: of it, yeah.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah, that way. Uh, how do you feel the government supported uh, the entertainment industry financially? during and post COVID, like uh, what could, do you think they could have improved or how well do you think they managed it?
0: Well,
2: the entertainment industry was obviously very badly damaged by the lockdowns. Um, uh, everything about entertainment is, is about people getting together and lockdowns were the opposite. So um, uh, a lot, but they didn't get the same level of help as the hospitality industry got. So for instance, there was initiatives like uh, Eat Out to Help Out, mm. which helped restaurants um, after the first lockdown uh, in 2020, um, cost the government a lot of money, um, uh, arguably did a lot to spread COVID and, um, uh, <laughs> and was open to fraud by lots of uh, restaurants and cafes and all the rest of it who mm. took them- but all that aside, it still was a big uh, financial support for a particular industry um, that did not uh, help uh, entertainment industry. So the yeah. only thing that really ent- helped entertainers was the individual support for self-employment. An awful lot of people in the entertainment industry are self-employed. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a highly casualized industry. Um, not a lot of people are on PAYE staff. Um, so they got payments, um, as self-employed, but even then that was quite difficult because you had to prove you've been self-employed for a certain amount of time. You had to have certain documents mm-hmm. and a lot of people fell through the cracks and they would have been, uh, a lot of them would have been in the entertainment industry.
1: Do you so, reckon they could have them? help them?
2: Uh, I think they could have, uh, over those sort of two years um, when we're talking about the first lockdown in 2020 when of course they're in a blind panic and they Mm -hmm. don't know what to do Um, and the two years that it basically took before um, Covid uh, was kind of I don't know people weren't paying attention and most people didn't have it and there certainly weren't any restrictions Um, Mm. government could have done a lot more to help the entertainment industry I think the current chancellor is one of the first to really acknowledge publicly that creative industries generally uh, and entertainment industry uh, specifically is really important to the UK economy. Mm -hmm. Um, He said it in several speeches since he became chancellor last year um, and uh, he hasn't done anything about it, but he does (laughs) acknowledge that it is important. Um, I would say that one of the, main problems the government has caused the entertainment industry since the beginning of 2020 um, is Brexit. So uh, a large part of the entertainment industry, whether it's about uh, uh, bands, uh, uh, or whether it's about theatre groups, dance groups, uh, all those groups um, have struggled over the last decade to make money from selling uh, DVDs. Um, and uh, whether that's um, recorded sound or whether that's visual, because that market has been declining and streaming has taken over. Mm. So they've been made increasing amounts of their money from performance. And uh, Brexit meant that most of them found it impossible to perform outside the UK. Mm. They just couldn't get licences in Europe.
1: Just made it 20 times harder than it needed to be.
2: Yeah. So Mm. all those restrictions which the government had completely failed to address um, as part of its uh, Brexit um, plan, um, meant that the entertainment industry was one of the worst hit.
1: Yeah, that follows into my uh, next question about the growth dropping by 34% in a uh, report I found. Um, And it's just like, how do you think they could financially repair it after leading in from what you were saying previously about um, it being very badly hit? Do you have any idea about what they could do to repair it at all, or is it too far gone?
2: One of the problems, one one of the issues, uh, obviously for the entertainment industry is um, performance spaces Um, and with rising um, taxes with higher energy bills um, and uh, higher wages because Mm. of inflation. Not, not that those wages have kept pace with inflation, but, but they have obviously gone up, yeah. um, and they, and that's to try and compensate for inflation. That has all added to the costs of performance spaces, um, and uh, the government has done nothing to help. What they could do um, is support local authorities. So all those um, spaces tend to be helped by. Uh, one agency or another from the government and mostly that is through local government and they, they could have done much more to help local government help performance spaces um, get through this very difficult time um, and stay open, you know, because a lot of them have closed um, and the local authority could do more to help step in, help them mm. refurbish it or Right off their debts or whatever it needs to be to get the place up and running again so it's a performance space and that's for all forms of yeah. entertainment it do
1: so it's more the local side of it rather than a general consensus you feel could be the thing to push it to improving
2: well you can have a national plan but then it's who's going to deliver it so the Got government can say we want to support all uh, entertainment spaces and, and the entertainment industry um particularly at its grassroots. Um, uh, so we could give the arts council more money to support um, those groups. Um, mm. The Arts Council uh, has been cut over the last 10 years. Or um, uh, we could give local authorities to support those groups. But they've done neither. If anything, the money has gone distinctly in the other direction. It's all been about cuts.
0: Mm.
1: So you mentioned there about uh, the like the places where they actually make music, the taxes going up, and uh, the cost of the electricity and stuff like that. Um, do you think that the trend of these uh, in the trend of these like larger uh, like venues, like the Lead mill in Sheffield, or these iconic venues going like going financially bust or uh, shutting down due to the increase in the Uh, bills or the rent or landlords do you reckon that trend is going to carry on
2: unfortunately yes i think the government wants to um, always when there's been a disaster a financial disaster um, or a health disaster as we've just now had is they want to just basically draw a a red line under it and move on and all the people who were damaged are left behind to fix themselves Hmm. Um, it's very much a Conservative Party way of behaving. So, for instance, uh, if you go back to the early, uh, the mid-1980s, the Conservatives decided they could no longer afford to have uh, a steel industry and a mining industry. That was close on a million people um, were employed in those two industries combined. Um, they almost shut both of them down. I mean, there's a rump of steel left, but nearly all, all mines have gone. Mm. So, um, so what do you do with those people? They just abandoned them. They didn't try and retrain them. They didn't do anything to help those communities. Um, they just left them to survive as best they could. And some have managed to turn their situation around and some haven't. Um, But it's basically, they've been left to their own devices to do that. Similarly, when the financial crash happened in 2008, um, people affected by that have just had to kind of fix their own finances, deal with themselves. The banks were all put back together again. um, uh, and Their debts were written off uh, and they were supported. But the individuals and the businesses, they just had to cope as best they could. And there's nothing to say that they won't do that again now because Mm -hmm. they will say that they don't have the money to go back and repair the damage caused by COVID, the Ukraine war, um, the inflation that followed. Everyone who's disproportionately affected by that, they just got Mm -hmm. to get on with it. Suck it up. (laughs) They've got to suck it up, exactly. And and if they can make a, a... if they can find a way to get back to doing what they were doing, great. If they can't, so be it.
1: Yeah. That leads into uh, my final question, which is involving your book that you wrote about the financial crash. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering if you can draw any similarities at all between like the, uh, the points that you made in your book and the post-COVID industry that uh, we've been talking about, if that's okay.
2: I mean, it relates to what I've just said, which is that every time we have a problem, um, we kind of take a step down and write it off. So Mm -hmm. we're going through a process now where um, the manufacturing industry has suffered terribly from Brexit and COVID. Um, And those that survive, those that found a way to trade with other parts of the world, those that um, had enough cash in the bank, to get them through um, they're still with us anyone who was probably having a bit of difficulty going into COVID and Brexit found that tipped them over the edge and they've gone bust and so the whole industry as a whole has shrunk and the danger is that the entertainment industry um, is in the same position where the whole thing shrinks.
1: Mm.
2: I think what What you would say if you're sitting in government and why they would say they can kind of abdicate responsibility for the entertainment industry is that the figures are telling them that during COVID people went out and bought tons of stuff. They went and bought bigger tellies, they went and bought um, all kinds of things with the money that they had because they were sitting at home and they weren't spending any money because they couldn't. They couldn't mm. go and buy endless coffees in the coffee shop and stuff like that because the coffee shop was shut. So um, but now they bought a lot of the stuff that they needed or wanted, and they're now going out for experiences and entertainment, mm. uh, restaurants, uh, theaters, um and You know, you're seeing a lot of people now hitting the road on uh, gigs that are sold out. Mm -hmm. I mean, comedians are are all on tour. You know, everybody's back on the road and there's a huge appetite for people who didn't do much for two years to go and see these things. And so if you're sitting inside government, you'll think, what do I actually need to do to help this situation? Well, I don't need to do anything. It's all going to just get back up and running because there's a huge latent demand for it. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, I think that's wrong. I think that the uh, the damage was quite huge. I think your 34% um, shows that, and they need to do more to intervene to help. Because so often when you come out of these crises, uh, it only has increased inequality. So whether that's regional inequality, um, like Sheffield suffers, but London does fine, um, and other affluent areas as well do fine, Um, or whether it's the fact that um, gig prices go up because people are trying to recoup um, money they lost in COVID, and they are also got to pay higher bills for for the hire of this and that when they're putting Mm -hmm. on a gig. Um, So the cost of the ticket goes up, and that hits a certain community, as in poorer people. And, And the government doesn't care about any of that and they ought to. So I can see why they step back and say the entertainment industry can look after itself, but it's only because they don't care about inequality.
1: Thank you for listening to Silent Noise.
0: We hope you enjoyed and learned a thing or two about a thing or two. And we hope you have a lovely day.